Thank you for listening to Franklin City Church's Sermon Podcast. For more information on Franklin City Church, please check us out at www.franklincitychurch.com. In Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You guys can be seated. All right, well, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew uh, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll try to have the scriptures up on the screen as well. Uh, But if you do have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there and and look at this passage with us this morning. So we are on week three of what is now a four-part series on the Lord's Prayer, okay? So it was supposed to be only three weeks, and I, in, in my best attempts at writing one short sermon on prayer, I ended up writing two long sermons on prayer, okay? And so we are going to take one more week to finish out the Lord's Prayer uh, next week, and this morning we're going to mainly focus in on verse 11. Now, it was sort of dad's fault for giving me a couple of weeks off of preaching. I have a lot of pent-up kind of energy, preaching energy that I'm just ready to kind of to unleash, okay, this morning. Uh, but it also has been just a beautiful season of what we're calling here a 21 Days of Prayer, where we are trying to refocus and recharge and, and re-remind uh, one another to be in prayer, to be crying out to God. And so uh, this season has been uh, especially just really sweet for me as far as I feel like I'm starting to even more scrape the surface of just some of the goodness and the sweetness of delighting in prayer, of enjoying meeting God in conversations with him. And so I want that for all of us as well. I want us to delight in prayer. I want us to look forward to prayer. I want us to enjoy prayer. And so we're going to take one more week to talk about prayer, okay? So this morning we're going to cover uh, uh, verse 11, and then next week uh, I'll finish up the Lord's Prayer. The week after that, then, uh, Dad is going to give a a special message, and uh, him and Joni are going to share some on their El Salvador trip. So that is a reminder to us this morning. They, They arrived to El Salvador last night. Uh, They made it there safely, and this morning they're starting to do ministry there. Dad is probably preaching in a church in El Salvador right now, so we're going to pray for them here in a moment. Um, But they're going to share a little bit about their trip to El Salvador uh, two weeks from now. And then the week after that, I will start preaching through the book of Mark. The book of Mark is where we are going to next. And we will likely take most of 2018 to kind of walk verse by verse through the book of Mark. So that is where we are going. But this morning, we are finishing up, uh, uh, not finishing up, we are covering verse 11. Next week, we're finishing up the Lord's Prayer. But before we jump in, Let's stop, let's pray, let's lift up some prayers uh, for Dad and Joni as they're in El Salvador right now as well. So pray with me.
Father, we come before you this morning thankful for who you are. God, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for what you have done and accomplished for us, what you have done and accomplished in us. We thank you that you have saved us and you have kept us, God. And so I ask this morning that you would speak to us through your word, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive this word, God, that it might not just be information in our heads, but that it truly would transform our hearts, that this is your living word that we are getting ready to hear. And God, I ask that you would attend with your, your spirit's power, the proclamation of your word. And God, we ask this also for, for dad as he is likely preaching right now in El Salvador. I ask that you would, you would give him the words to say, that you would also bless and speak through uh, uh, the pastor there that is interpreting for him, God. And we ask that hearts would be opened, that eyes would see your true goodness, and that you are the savior of the world. And so we ask that you would work in mighty ways uh, through dad and through Joni and what they're doing there in El Salvador, that many more might come to know you as their savior, that, that many, many more would come to bow to you as king, and that you would do a mighty work in them, Lord, as well as through them. And so we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're talking about prayer. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer and as I was thinking about this, I mean, just think how crazy this is that we have such a great God, a great, mighty, holy, powerful, sovereign God who desires us to pray. Like he wants to have conversation with us. Isn't that just a crazy and amazing thought? And yet, I think if we took a casual poll amongst most of us, we would say that we are bad at prayer. We just have a hard time getting into prayer. We have a hard time making time to find this, this, these opportunities to communicate with our creator. And so while maybe a lot of us want to pray, we can just honestly admit that we are just bad at prayer. And in the book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, it says this about prayer. It says, prayer is meant to be the conversation where your life and your God meet. Prayer is meant to be the conversation where your life and your God meet. But you see, our lives are often a mess because these conversations are not happening. Creation was meant to communicate with its creator. And there is a longing in the human heart to communicate with God, to communicate with the divine. I mean, all throughout history, amongst every people group in all societies, there has always been a desire to communicate with God, to communicate and reach out to the supernatural. You look at any culture, any society, even every tribal group, and they all have their own ways of trying to communicate with the supernatural, with the divine. And a recent study even showed that 30% of atheists say they pray sometimes. And I feel for them, right? I mean, their minds and their hearts got to be all tangled up. They say, hey, I don't believe there's a God, but hey, life gets hard and sometimes you just got to pray. I feel for them. I get it, right? I mean, when tragedy strikes, what do you hear most people say? Hey, they see a tragedy happen. Hey, our thoughts and our prayers go out to those people, right? Thoughts and prayers. Humanity can't help it. There is this God-given desire to communicate with our creator. 
And that is a gift. It is a beautiful gift that we have that desire. And I believe many of us, we want to pray. We do. We want to pray. We want to be more committed to pray. But the reality is we are bad at it, and we need God to help us. We need God to help us. If left to our own strength, prayers will easily turn into just thoughtless habits or hurried afterthoughts, and we will misuse and abuse prayer. Okay, so we see this play out. We see this play out every, every meal, right? A lot of times we just pray out of habit. It's just what we're supposed to do, right? We just pray out of habit. Maybe, maybe during worship gatherings we pray just to provide some non-awkward transitions, right? Or maybe we squeeze prayer in at the end of city group because we kind of feel guilty, like, hey, we should probably pray, so let's just squeeze it in at the very end. Or maybe we use prayer as a cop-out of getting, actually getting out of doing something or helping someone or loving someone, right? We just say, hey, I will pray for you, and then we actually never do. Or maybe we use prayer as kind of an excuse to just get what we actually want, like there's something we actually really want or something we really want to go do. So we'll say, hey, I prayed about it. I feel good. I'm going to go do it anyway, right? So if left to our own strength, we will misuse and abuse prayer. Church, we long to pray, but we need help praying. And this is where the Lord's Prayer comes in. Jesus, who was there in the beginning, when creation was created, he desires creation to communicate with its creator, to have conversations with his creator, and here he gives us a model prayer and shows us how to pray. And so we need this prayer. We need this prayer because prayer is so much better than what we turn it into. Prayer is so much better than what we turn it into. God isn't just a genie in a bottle, and prayer isn't just like rubbing a rabbit's foot for good luck, and there's more to talk to God about than just your aunt's cousin's sister who has a cold, right? Prayer is much richer and deeper, and Jesus is going to help us get this conversation going, okay, which we desperately need. So what a gift this is. What a gift this prayer is to help us get the conversation started with God, a, a, a prayer that we can model our prayers after. And this reminded me of when Britt and I started dating and when Britt and I started communicating, okay? So it was about sophomore year in high school when we started dating. And for, for those that remember kind of during that time, what did you do first when you first started communicating with someone? Well, for Britt and I, when we were in high school, the thing that you did was you exchanged AOL Instant Messenger screen names, okay? Anyone else remember this, right? You exchanged AOL Instant Messenger screen names. You would go home. You would ask your parents if you could get on the internet because at that time, if you were on the internet, no one could get a phone call in the house. You remember this, right? It wasn't that long ago, but you remember. Okay, so you would get online. You would log in. You would hear that voice say, you've got mail, okay? And then I would check the screen names, and I would see if Snow Gym 2000 or whatever it was, it was online. And if she was, then I would type something like, you know, hey girl, how you doing? Or something like that, right? Something smooth, okay? It worked, obviously, it worked. So uh, it was something smooth like that. I'd reach out and then we'd start a conversation, okay? But as our relationship grew, we took our communication to the next level. What was the next level? The next level was a phone call, a phone call. You talked on the phone which was and maybe still is my worst nightmare, talking on the phone, okay? Some of you have realized that, that I'm not good at talking on the phone, but it was my worst nightmare. Now, I think I've gotten better at it because I know where I started at, okay? So when I was a kid and the phone rang, I would run and hide. 
I did not want to be around to answer the phone, and I did not want to be able to be found by the person that did answer the phone because I did not at all want to talk on the phone. I was going to go hide somewhere until that phone conversation was over. And to this day, if a phone rings, I have to fight the urge not to run and hide, okay? So you can pray for me. I know I'm weird. I did not realize how weird I was until I started observing what normal people do when their phone rings. Okay, I just started making observations as I'm hanging out with some of you. Your phone rings, and you move toward your phone. And that was a foreign concept to me. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? When my phone rings, my first step is like back. I'm like instinctively going away from the phone, but most normal people move toward the phone. Okay, let's get back on track. This is why I share that, all right? I desperately wanted to talk to Britt on the phone. I did, and that's how I knew she was the one, because I actually wanted to talk to her on the phone. But at the same time, I was terrified of talking to her on the phone. I was afraid there was going to be a lot of awkward silence. I was afraid I didn't know what to talk about. I mean, I wanted to get to know her. I wanted her to get to know me. But I just, I was afraid I was just going to freeze up, not know what to say, and, and, and just, you know, be there silent on a silent phone conversation. And so this is what I did. I took out a piece of paper, and I kind of prepped for our phone conversations. I kind of wrote out a list of some talking points and some conversation starters. Britt knows I've done this, so it's okay. It's not a secret anymore. Uh, but, you know, I kind of had this, you know, this list of my go-to. If there was an awkward silence, I could at least kind of get the conversation rolling with something, okay? Now, what that list did was it allowed me to really get to know her better, right? It allowed me to think kind of clearly and be like, oh, yeah, I did want to ask her about that. I did want to talk through these things. And it allowed me to delight in our conversations instead of just dread them, okay? Now, this might be a bad comparison, but the Lord's Prayer is a similar guide in our conversation with God. We desire to pray. We are just bad at it. And so Jesus here provides us some talking points and helps guide our conversation so that we might now delight in our conversations with God. This isn't all that we talk to God about, but it does help get things rolling and get the conversation started. And so let's look now at the Lord's Prayer and learn more about this model prayer that we can follow. So look with me at Matthew 6. We'll start in verse 7. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the last two weeks, Dad has taught on verses 9 and 10. We have looked at how we are to pray to God, who is our Father. There is an intimacy there, right, between the father-child relationship. He is our father, but he's also a father who is in heaven. He is high and lifted up. He is sovereign over all. And we also saw that he is holy. He is set apart. He is separate from. And we are to pray for his kingdom to come. So to, for him to come and rule and reign in the world and to rule and reign in our hearts. And then we learned how we are to pray for his will to be done. And now we get to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I realize some of you starting out in 2018 are on some special diets, and so maybe you're trying to go low carb, and so your bodies could probably let out a hearty amen as you are longing for the joy of carbs and a little bit of bread in your life, okay? So I'm sure some of you could very much agree with this prayer. Yes, Lord, give me some bread today, okay? But this is talking about more than just actual bread. It is including bread, but it's talking more than just actual bread, okay? It is a prayer that God would provide for our physical needs. It is a prayer that God would provide for our physical needs. It is a prayer that he would provide the food, the shelter, and all that we physically need to survive. So when you pray, this is a good thing to pray. Hey, this is something good that you should pray about. You should pray for our physical needs to be met. You should pray that God would provide. In this verse, verse 11, it is seemingly a simple part of the Lord's Prayer. Like the other parts, you could like kind of start thinking more deeply about it, but this seems like a simple part, seems like a basic request, but in actuality, it is accomplishing some powerful things when you pray this prayer. The first powerful thing that happens when you have a conversation with God about your physical needs is that you are reminded of where your provisions ultimately come from. Look at the first two words in verse 11. Give us. Give us this day our daily bread. The give us reminds us that we are not the source of life and that we cannot ultimately sustain or provide for ourselves, but we need something or someone outside of ourselves to sustain us and to provide for us. And don't we get reminded of this truth every day? Maybe even every few hours when we get thirsty or when we get hungry, we are reminded that we need something or someone outside of ourselves to sustain us and to provide for us. Why, why do you think God made us this way? Why do you think God made us this way? Why is it that every day or every few days we need food? Why is it every day we need water? Why is it every second we need oxygen? right? Like, why not every month or every year we need to eat or drink, right? God could have designed our bodies that way. He could have designed our bodies that all we would need was one big meal for the year, and that would sustain us, right, for the rest of the year. He could have taken a step further. He could have made us totally just solar-powered, right, where we didn't really have to think about it. We just kind of, the sunlight, you know, transferred energy to our body. Or he could have taken it a step further. He could have made us self-sustaining. But no, he made us this way so that we would have constant reminders that we are not the source of life, but that we need something or someone outside of ourselves to provide for us. He made us in a way that our life and our provisions have to be given to us from him. Isn't this a humbling thing? I mean, God is self-existent and self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to survive. But we, every few hours or every few seconds, we need something outside of ourselves to sustain us. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are reminded that everything we have has been given to us. And 1 Corinthians 4-7 agrees with this point. 
1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So give us this day our daily bread is a humbling thing to pray because it is the prayer of a beggar. It is the prayer of a beggar. When you pray this, what is happening, whether you realize it or not, is that you are humbling yourself and recognizing the reality that you are not the source of life, but that all of your physical provisions for the day have been given to you. It is received bread. It is received bread. And here's a question I want you to think about. Do you pray and ask that God would provide for your physical needs? Do you pray that very often? You can just think about this. I don't think we do pray that very often. I think in our pride, we would rather pray this instead. We would rather say, God, give me the strength I need to go make my own bread. I think in our pride, that's what we would rather pray because just like Adam and Eve, when God came looking for them in the garden, they responded in fear and they, they went, they ran and hid and tried to cover themselves. In the same way, when we see the physical needs, our physical needs, we respond in fear, we go run and hide and try to provide for ourselves. But prayer, prayer, helps us realize and recognize who our provider is. And it's not us. It's not us. Every breath we breathe, we breathe because God has given it to us. What do you have that you did not receive? But you see, this is what happens when we don't pray, okay? When we don't pray, we start to believe the lie that we provide our own daily bread, and when we believe the lie that we provide our own daily bread, then we live and make decisions based on fear because we worry that we will be able to provide our daily bread day in and day out, right? So when we believe the lie that we provide our own bread, then we live and make decisions based on fear because we worry if we really have the strength to keep providing our bread for us. And so church, we need to pray. This is, we need to pray because the people of God are not to live and make decisions based on fear. We are to be a people that live by faith. We are to be a people that live by faith, not make decisions based on fear. So listening, listen, I'm not proposing to you that just because God provides for us that we should feel like we wouldn't, shouldn't have to work hard, right? I'm not saying that at all. If you're hearing me say, hey, God's going to provide. You don't have to work. Just be lazy. Don't do anything. God will provide for you. That is not what I'm saying at all, okay? The Bible tells us to work hard. The Bible gives us commands to work hard, that everything that we do should be done to the glory of God, right? It speaks against laziness, okay? And, and working hard and daily provisions, they often do go hand in hand. They often do. God often does provide for us and provide our provisions through our hard work and through our jobs. But listen, hard work and provisions are not the same thing. They're not. And I think I can prove it to you with just a few observations, okay? Because see, you see, there are hardworking people who are poor. And there are lazy people who are poor. There are hardworking people who are middle class. And there are lazy people who are middle class. There are hardworking people who are rich. 
And there are lazy people who are rich. And so, yes, working hard and daily provisions, they, they a lot of times do go hand in hand, but they are two different and separate things. And so let me clarify a little bit more. Because I know many of us, we do view ourselves as providers for our family. And to some degree, you should. To some degree, you should. 1 Timothy 5.8, it says this. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So yes, God does a lot of times use you and work through you to provide for your family, but listen, you are not the ultimate provider, okay? In the same way that pastors are shepherds, we are actually more like under-shepherds to the good shepherd, right? I take on the responsibility for shepherding the flock, but I understand that the good shepherd, he is the one that is going to ultimately take care of the flock, okay? So to us, many of us, God will use as kind of under providers, but ultimately our true provisions and our true provider is God. And when we realize this, when we understand this, it frees us it frees us because we do not now need to live in fear, wondering if we will have the strength or the ability or the means to provide for our family. But instead, we can live by faith that our daily bread is given to us by God. It is received bread. Well, I said verse 11, it's a simple prayer, seemingly a basic prayer, it's a but it is accomplishing some powerful things. So it is first cultivating in us hearts of humility, hearts of humility. It next is creating in us a heart that is generous, a heart that is generous. When you realize that everything you have has been given to you, you will likely turn and generously and cheerfully give it away. Let me illustrate this point. So Britt and I, a couple years ago, we were given a truck. Now, it was Britt's grandfather's truck who had passed away, and the family was trying to decide what to do with it. Do we sell it? Do we keep it in the family? Do we give it away? What do we do with this truck? And while Britt and I, we didn't necessarily need it, it was decided that they wanted to keep it in the family, and so they essentially just gave us this truck. Now, we didn't need the truck, but we, we said, okay, we'll take the truck. And what we decided to do was we would put a little money into it to pay for insurance and the upkeep, but then we would use it to really try to bless and help other family and friends that might need to borrow a vehicle or might need a truck for a few days. And so at times, it's felt silly to have this extra vehicle, but at the same time, there's been so many awesome, wonderful opportunities to let other people be blessed by this truck that was just given to us. And the last time that we let someone borrow it, they were thanking us for, for using it. And I was like, man, do not worry at all. Like, it is no big deal. I was like, honestly, I hold that truck with open hands because it was just given to me. It was just given to me. I don't care. You can take it. Like, whoever needs it can have it. Like, it was just given to me. And then I started thinking to myself, why is it that, I can, that it is no big deal to loan out that truck, but it might be a little bit bigger of a deal to loan out our car or our van or something else that we have. What, what is it about the truck that makes it so easy to give it away? And as I was thinking, I realized that I easily shared the truck because I did nothing to earn that truck. I'd invested very little in it. It was merely graciously given to me. And then here it is. Ultimately, I've never viewed that truck as mine. 
I have never viewed that truck as mine. I have viewed myself as a steward of it and as the person to distribute it to whoever needed it. And as I thought through that, something clicked, and it was like God hit me with 1 Corinthians 4-7, like a two-by-four to the face. What do you have that you did not receive? Everything I have, my cars, my house, my money, my giftings, my health, my time, what do I have that I did not receive? And if it is all from God, shouldn't it all be held with open hands, with a willingness and a cheerful joy to give it away? Everything I have is not mine. I am merely a steward of it. The mindset I have with the truck is the mindset we are to have with all things. Verse 11, it is a simple prayer. It is a basic prayer, but it is accomplishing some powerful things. Not only is it humbling us, not only is it helping us to be generous, but it is also strengthening our faith. Look back at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Essentially, give us the bread we need for the next day, okay? So if this was prayed in the morning, it could be said, Lord, give us the bread we need for the day in front of us. Or if it was prayed in the evening, it could be said, Lord, give us the, day that we, the, the bread we need for tomorrow, okay? But this is a short-term prayer, meaning Jesus is not teaching us to pray, Father, give us the next three months' worth of bread today, He's not teaching us to pray, God, give me the next year's worth of bread today. Why? Because then our faith would be in the stockpile of bread as opposed to the one who gives the bread. And a prayer like this is so radical because in praying for God to meet your provisions today, you are essentially saying, and I trust that your future grace will be faithful to provide for me tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. So here we see in prayer our faith being strengthened as we are humbling ourselves and recognizing where our true provisions come from, we see our faith being strengthened now in God's future grace to us, that provider God who was faithful to provide for us today will be faithful to provide for us tomorrow and the next week. And then look at this. This is really cool. Look at what the verse says in regards to the details of how God is going to provide our daily bread. This is cool. Look at the verse. And notice what it says about the details of how God is going to get us the bread. Do you see? You'll notice it doesn't say the details of how God is going to get us the bread, okay? We got the who, we got the what, we got the when, but we didn't get the how. We got the who, right? We know it's from God. God is our provider. We, we got the what. It's our bread, our physical needs. We got the when. It's going to happen today. But we did not get the details as to how this was going to happen. I mean, I would really like to know, God, is this going to be like a direct deposit thing? Are you going to mail a check to me? Are we doing twice a month or every other Friday? What does this look like? Do I have to, is it going to be that, that manna stuff out in the backyard or do I have to go pick it up somewhere? God, what are the details? How are you going to get me this bread? And this is where we can start to become anxious 
and fearful about how God is going to get us our daily bread. And this is where, because our prayer life is so weak, we respond in fear instead of by faith. Instead of delighting in God in conversation and being reminded and humbled that he is the ultimate provider and everything that we have is from him, instead of praying and allowing our faith to be strengthened by knowing that we can trust our faithful provider who has provided for us today and will provide us tomorrow, instead of that, we don't pray. Instead of that, we don't pray. And so, yes, we believe that God is our ultimate provider. I'd say most of you probably believe that, but we're going to live like it, life like it's all up to us. Because we don't pray, yes, we believe God is our ultimate provider, but we're going to live like it's all up to us. Our life and our God have not met in conversation, which we call prayer, and therefore the way we live and what we believe about God does not line up. It doesn't. If we prayed, if we prayed, what we believe and how we live would be much more in line. But because we don't pray, what we believe and how we live are all out of whack. For example, we believe the Great Commission is what we are to be about. But our lives are actually more about the American dream. We believe the Great Commission is what we are to be about, but our lives are actually more about the American dream. We believe that the Great Commission is what we have been sent forth and commissioned by God to do in the world, to go and make disciples, to go and help others follow Jesus. We believe this. Most of you probably believe this, but because we don't pray, our lives, our jobs, our money, our careers, our time is spent on what the American dream says we are to be about instead of what God says we're to be about. Okay, let me talk about money for a second. Because it's all fun and games when you're talking about bread. But when you talk about money, there is a tension in the room that you can feel. I think it speaks to the, the hold that it has on our hearts. Because you see, many, time God, many times God does provide our physical needs through providing for us money to go buy our food and our bread and our daily provisions. Follower of Jesus, how do you handle the daily provision of money that God provides to you? I want you to think about that. How do you handle the daily provision of money that God provides to you? Do you hold it loosely like a truck that has been given to you? Or do you stockpile it so you can sleep better at night? Jesus is going to go on to say later in Matthew 6, in Matthew 6, verse 24, he's going to say this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I didn't draw the line in the sand. Jesus drew the line in the sand. You cannot serve God and money. You will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and money. And some of you, some of you don't give 
towards the mission of God through the church and through missionaries because you love the stockpile of bread more than the giver of that bread. And some of you are stuck in jobs and careers you know you shouldn't be in, but because you falsely believe that you are your ultimate provider, you stay in them and you're miserable. And some of you make all of your financial decisions based on fear and anxiety instead of by faith. I want you to do an experiment tonight. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to read two things before you go to bed. I want you to go home. I want you to read God's word and then I want you to read your bank statement and I want you to prayerfully consider which one of those affects you more. Depending on how much you have in your bank account, it might produce some anxiety if you have little. It might produce some peace if you have enough. But then go read the words of God and consider which one of those stirs your heart more. Which one affects your emotions more? Go read a passage like Matthew 6, 31, which says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So go home tonight, read God's word, and then go look at the number in your bank account and then ask yourself, which one is my faith in for the day ahead? And then some of you probably need to repent. You probably need to repent of your love of money. You probably need to repent of the decisions that you have made out of fear, and you need to ask God to help you love him more than money. You need to ask God to help you have more faith in the giver of bread instead of just the bread itself. Now listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't save money. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's sinful to have a retirement account or a savings account or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But this is what I am saying. I think that many of us make decisions with money and jobs and careers based on fear instead of by faith. And the will of God is that the people of God would live by faith. I think many of us push aside what God is calling us to do, and we choose jobs and careers that will allow us to fulfill the American dream instead of the Great Commission. And in doing so, we have deluded ourselves into thinking that we are our ultimate providers, that we are the ones that ultimately provide our physical needs. If you think that your provisions are ultimately up to you, you will make decisions out of fear instead of by faith. And if you keep doing this, you will get to the end of your life. And I'm trying to just lovingly warn you, you will get to the end of your life and you will have missed out on the joy and the peace that comes through a life that is lived by faith. And all you're going to have is a pantry full of regret for all the decisions that you made out of fear, and all you're going to have to show for it is a stockpile of moldy bread. And I don't want that for myself. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for my family. I want us to experience the fullness of joy and delight that is to be had in lives that are lived by faith. Lives that are lived by faith in a faithful God. He is a faithful God.
He is a faithful God who not only meets our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs as well. As well. Excuse me. You see, our physical needs, the constant reminders of hunger and thirst that we have, are merely pointing us to our greater spiritual needs. And Jesus, who tells us to ask God to meet our physical needs, he also has a plan for our spiritual needs as well. Hear these words from John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying, your hungering and your thirsting for bread and water were meant to lead you to him, the bread of life who will perfectly and completely satisfy and sustain you. Your hungering and your thirsting were ultimately meant to lead you to Jesus. And not only is God the ultimate provider for our daily provisions, but he is giving us something greater. He has given us himself, the bread of life. Jesus, who was fully God, fully man, came to earth to restore communication between God and humanity between creator and creation. And Jesus has now given us himself and provided us the bread of life that we might be satisfied. And that's why Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Creation longs to communicate with its creator. And Jesus, the bread of life, has made this possible and he has provided us now this beautiful model prayer to get the conversation going that we might delight in, in, in many, many, many years of conversations with God. Give us this day our daily bread is a short, simple part of the Lord's prayer that humbles us, that transforms us into generous stewards, that strengthens our faith, and that allows us to be freed from making decisions based on fear, but instead make our decisions by faith in a faithful God. Let's pray. Father, we... We come before you, God. And I just need to, I need to confess, we need to humble ourselves before you, God. We have often seen ourselves as our own providers. And Father, we realize everything we have, it has been given to us from you. Every breath we breathe, every day we live, God, is a gift that has been given from you. So I ask that you would, God, stir in us hearts that are humble, hearts that are generous. And God, I ask that you would help us not live and make decisions based on fear, but that you would strengthen our faith, that we would rest and rely in our faithful God. Jesus, give us this bread always. We pray in your name.
Amen.